And now we're streaming on my personal page too. So let's get started here. We'll be looking at Philippians 2 verses 1 through 5 today. I apologize for getting started late. I keep uh, adding new uh, new uh, difficulties to my broadcasting by adding new uh, sources for us to uh, stream to. And hopefully we'll have that have that all organized well soon. So today we're looking at Philippians 2 verses 1 through 5, which is the introduction, introductory verses to to the Messianic hymn of chapter chapter uh, chapter 2. In chapter 2 of Philippians, Paul gives a powerful, even poetic declaration of the eternal divine nature of Yeshua and his place as one with the one God in Israel. Many scholars understand that a full acceptance of Yeshua, divine nature, and union with the one God of Israel, referred to as a high Christology, was a development of the Nicene Council, the first church council in the fourth century of the Common Era, and, and also later church councils. And this, this, is, this, this, is, this is an opinion held, as I said, by many, many biblical scholars that the full understanding of Yeshua as being one with the God of Israel, a part of the triune God, that God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, was a later development, actually, actually something that was not actually believed by the early Jewish followers of Yeshua, but something that was developed later by the, the Roman church of the fourth century. Yet in the Messianic hymn, of uh, Philippians 2, 6 through 11, we see Paul presenting Yeshua as the divine Messiah, the one God of Israel becoming a human being in a letter written around in the 60s of the Common Era. So over nearly 300 years before these later church councils where, where scholars say that the, that the concept of Yeshua being one with the one God of Israel, Yeshua being the divine Messiah, was understood. We can see here that in, even in the first century of the Common Era, the writing of this letter, which will, would be around 60, 62 of the Common Era, we see that there was a clear understanding of Yeshua being one with the one God of Israel. This Messianic hymn clearly shows that Paul and the earliest Messianic community proclaimed a high Christology, an understanding of Yeshua as the divine Messiah, almost 300 years before Nicaea, the Nicene Creed. Though the Christological implication of the Messianic hymn is usually the focus of writing teaching about this chapter. Most people who write on, on the second chapter focus on on this hymn and focus on early understanding of Yeshua being one with the one God of Israel as being as being the focus of the chapter of which that is 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 clearly there and clearly there we see in this hymn which was was considered to be an earlier hymn that Paul included in this in this letter something that was written in the Messianic community in Jerusalem and from the the home congregation written in Hebrew or Aramaic, and Paul here translating it into, into Greek for his Greek readers. 
those the focus is usually on on Yeshua and his place as one of the God of Israel. Paul here is is, is also focusing, and it can be seen throughout the book as a primary theme in the book, focusing on the teaching of humility and the humility of the Messiah's example to the Philippians. Yeshua's divine nature and his emptying himself become a man is seen here as emphasizing the profound nature of his humility in leaving his divine status to become part of the created order. And here we see the highest example of humility that Paul is calling the Philippians to take on in their lives, the humility, the humble example of Messiah. This leads into Paul's important theme in Philippians, his teaching on humility. In this chapter, Paul presents the greatest example of humility, Messiah Yeshua, who followed, and, and later in the book, chapter we'll read about the examples of, follow, of humble fellow believers, Timothy and Epaphroditus. So though we, we, we will see and we will focus on the powerful, powerful uh, teachings about who Yeshua is and his place as one with one God of Israel. Paul also in this sharing of the humbling of Messiah is showing the highest example of humility, the humility of Yeshua who was willing to give his life and enter into his world into the the place of a servant who would die for humanity's sins. So we come now to verses one through five, which we'll be looking at today. And then tomorrow we will be getting into the first verse of the Messianic hymn. In verse one through three, we read, therefore, if you have any encouragement for me, for being from your being in union with the Messiah, any comfort flowing from love, any fellowship with me in the Spirit, or any compassion and sympathy, then complete my joy by having a common purpose and common love. Read that again. Therefore, you have any encouragement for me from being in union with the Messiah, any comfort flowing from love, any fellowship with me in the Spirit, or any compassion and sympathy, then complete my joy by having a common purpose and common love, by being one in heart and mind. Do nothing out of rivalry or vanity, but in humility regard each other as better than yourselves. Paul here encourages the Philippians to identify with and model Yeshua's character and qualities, which will naturally stem from the Philippians being in union with Yeshua and reflect Yeshua's humility, one of the major themes of this letter, especially in this chapter. Paul urges the Philippians to humbly value other believers as they not only model the Messiah, but also grow beyond modeling to imitating the Messiah daily in their lives. Paul here calls them to a unity, as well as a call for the Philippians to bring Paul joy in modeling the Messiah. Paul encouraged the Philippians that in their unity, 
they're bringing him joy and that the unity of the community is so important for both them to continue to grow to be like the Messiah, but also to be a, a, a witness to the world. And uh, one, of my, one of my good friends, uh, Pastor Paul Brown, in a sermon on Philippians, put this, this, uh, put this together, this, this summation or, or of what Paul is speaking of in these verses. When he read, he's, he said that in these verses, Paul is calling the Philippians to have the same mind, have the same love, have the same soul, and have the same goal. That unity is more than just, just being together, but having a shared mind focusing on, on God, focusing on serving the Messiah, having the same love, a love for one another, a love for God, a love for those who need to hear about the Messiah, have the same soul partnering together in the spirit, that having, having that union in the spirit, having the same goal, the goal of becoming more and more like the Messiah and making him known in our world. As we will see below in the Messianic hymn, as we later will be looking at, this unified heart and mind reflects Yeshua's humble servanthood and self-sacrifice. Unity comes from the humility, and this is the way to model the Messiah and build up the Messianic unity. In verse 4 we read, Look out for each other's interests and not just for your own. Paul requested the Philippians seek the best for others and not just for themselves as he continues demonstrating the self-sacrificing love and humble service of the Messiah. Paul here is, is wanting to focus the Philippians and us by example on looking out for others and not just for our own interests, but for the interests of others and what we can do to serve others. To be like the Messiah is to be other-centered and Messiah-centered and have the mindset of Yohanan the Immerser, who's speaking about Yeshua declared, he must become more important while I become less important. In verse five, we read, let your attitude toward one another be governed by your being in union with Messiah Yeshua. So these, so this verse here leads into the Messianic hymn. And these verses that we'll be looking at starting tomorrow, we'll go in day by day through each of the six verses of the Messianic hymn. These verses represent a Messianic hymn which tells of the coming of the Messiah into the world as a slave, his death on the Roman stake, the cross, and his exaltation to being Lord of all creation. Many scholars believe Paul was quoting from a previously written hymn or liturgical prayer that the people of Philippi would have believed and even used in their corporate worship as a teaching tool to emphasize the humility Yeshua perfectly modeled and Paul called them to pursue. So we can see that, 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 that this, 
that it's understood that this hymn, the Messianic hymn we'll be looking at, at over the next next tomorrow and into next week, Philippians two six through eleven, is there's 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 an understanding that this is a an early early hymn, early Messianic hymn, as I said before in other times, that over nineteen hundred years before, for my before. Rabbi Stuart Dowerman started writing songs for the Liberty Wailing Wall, and Joel Chernoff and the other other founders of what we call messianic messianic uh, worship music of today. There was this worship hymn focusing on the Messiah, the life of the Messiah, the death of the Messiah, the resurrection of the Messiah, and the exaltation of the Messiah. And this was a part of the this was a part of the of the liturgy of the early Messianic Jews. So as we look at these verses, we're seeing some of the earliest liturgy, the earliest praise, praise and, and worship song sung to our Messiah. Larry Otato, a blessed memory, who is was a, a, a profound thinker on, on early Messianic community and the, the, the New Testament agrees that these verses can be understood to be an early Messianic Jewish hymn or liturgical prayer. So we see, seeing see that, that, that uh, in this, this Messianic hymn, that this is, this is some of the earliest, earliest words used in the liturgy to honor the Messiah. Similar to other hymns in existence with Paul's letter, this would be a familiar, it would, have been familiar to the Philippian community, the understanding that this was a a popular a popular song about the Messiah that had spread throughout the missing community, and Paul here is putting it in the letter to to emphasize the humble example of the Messiah and to also to give honor to him in this in this letter. James Waddle, another biblical scholar also understands that, the, that Paul's Messianic hymn originated from an early Aramaic liturgical prayer and that Paul translated the Greek for inclusion here in his letter. And he believes this because of, as he says, the, of the absence of definite articles and other Greek part, particles typical of narrative prose, as well as the absence of any identifiable, identifiable Greek meter so he, he said, so, so analyzing the Greek of, of, of these verses, uh, Professor Waddle here says that, that it doesn't really fit as something that was originally written in Greek because of the style and the, and the use of grammar in it and also the meter. So he said, under, he, so he can see that this is, is a translated work and the translation of what would have been an original Aramaic hymn from the Jerusalem Messianic community. But there are those who understand the hymn to be, be written by Paul Gordon Fee, another, another important New Testament scholar, says that uh, about this is in fact, the hymn is, is thoroughly appalling thoroughly written by Paul, using Pauline, Paul's sentence structure, his idioms, 
the use of the Septuagint, as we'll see that that there was a underlying the Messianic hymn is, is Isaiah 45, verse 23. And he, so, so, so Fee, who was who also an important New Testament scholar, understands that it's fitting, fits in well with the book and would be a part of it. So, but, so whether, whether it was a pre-written pre hymn or it was something that Paul actually wrote in the letter, the important thing there is that, uh, that the two main parts of it, that Yeshua is, is acknowledged as the one God of Israel and the divine Messiah that came to the world and also the teaching of the humbleness of the Messiah are intact, whether it was, Paul translated it from a Aramaic hymn or he wrote it himself. As the prayers of the Siddur, Jewish prayer book, express Jewish theological concepts and development, this liturgical hymn of early Messianic community gives an early look at the evolution of Messian Jewish theology and early liturgical development within the growing Messian Jewish and Messian Jew Gentile communities. The thing that's so amazing about this about this this Messian hymn is that you know it is it is a a basic a basic part of the of the of the early worship of the Messian community that in reading this this chapter and for those like at my congregation who include include uh, verses nine through eleven of Philippians two as a part of the of the Amida of the Alenu. We are in praying this together, are in in concert with the early messy community, praying these words as we as in the Sudur we pray we pray the words of the of the second century second century Jewish community, the second temple Jewish community. We hear in in this in these these uh, verses are participating in the Second Temple worship of the Messianic Jewish community, and and these liturgical words, these liturgical praises of the Messiah, understanding the, the deep the deep Messianic Jewish theology of these of these words. The construction of liturgical prayers and hymns like this one which took from Isaiah 45, 23, which we will look at, look at later next week, a passage from the Tanakh that applied to the one God of Israel and referred it to Yeshua, showed an early understanding of the divine nature of Yeshua by the earliest Messianic community. We can also see in the liturgical development an early theological understanding of the first century Messianic Jews, that the nature of the God of Israel is more complicated than a strict monotheism. But in this, we can see clearly that the that the early Jewish believers, looking at the oneness, the unity of God, the that, that is is uh, is recited daily in the Shema, that the hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That the one God of Israel is more complex than a strict monotheism. That that in in the one God of Israel, we see Yeshua the Messiah, and 
also is in the broader context of the revelation of the Baruch we see that that there is also the Ruach Kodesh, the, the Holy Spirit, that there is one God who has who's revealed himself in three persons, the triune God, the one God of Israel is more complex than just being a strict monotheism, uh, that there's only one, one person in, of the Godhead, but we know that that Yeshua and the Holy Spirit are one with the one God of Israel that made himself known in the Tanakh, that the one God of Israel is more complex than just a strict monotheism. In Yeshua, the divine nature is shared and yet is within the framework of the one God. The two millennia of theologians would wrestle with the place of Yeshua, as well as the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, within the one God of Israel expressed in the Shema, the core Jewish prayer from Deuteronomy 6.4. It appears that the earliest Jewish followers of Yeshua accepted that the God of Israel became a human being in Yeshua. This is a powerful thing to understand that these were devout Jews, Jews who, who who understood that the 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 core nature of the Shema, that there is only one God. And in that that assertion they came to understand that Yeshua and the Rakodesh were also one with that one God. With these early Early Yeshua followers accepted the God of Israel became a human being in Yeshua. And this is something that, that Paul is, is presenting, as I said, in about 62 of the Common Era. So early on in, 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 the, in the earliest writings of the of the Shah, the letters of Paul, we see a clear understanding that Yeshua was the God of Israel who came into our world. In line with liturgical use of the Psalms in their worship, the early followers of Yeshua created liturgical song honoring Yeshua as Messiah and Lord, and they were used in their, their worship meetings and private devotionals. This is one, one which would have been of, of many songs and liturgical pieces that were honoring Yeshua as Messiah and Lord. We have this one here in in the book of philippians in addition to containing one of the most potent and straightforward teachings on the eternal divine nature of the yeshua the hymn also teaches the philippians essential lessons of humility modeled on the messiah's humility and servitude such servant and self-sacrifice offered a way for the philippians to model the kind of unity paul laid out in the first four verses of this chapter and now we come to to verse five, which the word the ver, verse that leads into the Messianic hymn, and we will uh, we will uh, conclude with that today and begin actually into the heart of the the Messianic hymn tomorrow with verse six, and go as I said we'll go through verse eleven on Friday. We'll be doing one verse per day as we have uh, much more to to dig in onto these these powerful verses. In verse 5, we read, let your attitude toward one another be governed by being in union with the Messiah Yeshua. 
Paul here calls the Philippians to take a communal attitude of unity, but reflected being in union with the Messiah, Yeshua, as the starting point. From this union comes one of the essential lessons of Philippians, unity, especially unity through humility within the Messianic community. With Yeshua as the ultimate example of humility, as seen in the Messianic hymn, Paul calls all the Philippians to embrace the humble example of Yeshua in their lives to bring unity. As the community as a whole begins to embrace humility, then there is true unity and the end of strife and dissension. As we'll see in verse in chapter four, there's a question of disunity between two of the leaders of the community, Yodia and Syntyche. So Paul here is early on in the letter wanting to focus the community in Philippi on, on unity and their union in the Messiah. For union with the Messiah to be genuine requires a life that imitates and models that of the Messiah. In walking with humility and self-sacrifice, the followers of Yeshua can fully live out the Messiah's example. More than being just followers or believers, they become living witnesses of the Messiah. Those that model this way of living become the good news of Messiah in our world and model Messiah and walk in his ways. So in this verse, I'll read it again as we conclude. Let your attitude toward one another be governed by you being in union with the Messiah Yeshua. So Paul here, as, as I said in the Messianic hymn, will be showing, showing us one, the example of the humility of the Messiah and commending that on to the Messian community and by extension to us to model model the humility of the Messiah and his example for us and to be like the Messiah. And also we will we will see in, in this hymn that the message of, of the good news of the Messiah is presented. The gospel message is presented in these verses that the Messiah that Yeshua leaves his place in the heavenlies comes into our world in the most humble of fashions as a baby born in humble sit setting, would live his life in humility among the lowest of society, would die the death of a slave, the death of execution on the Roman stake, on the Roman cross. But because of that, he would be raised from the dead and enter into his place in, in heaven as the one, as the Lord of all creation, the one that eventually at the end of time, every knee will bow. So we see two, we see two powerful teaching of emulating the Messiah's humility and also acknowledging that the, the divine nature of Yeshua, our righteous Messiah. So that will conclude our uh, teaching for today as we, uh, looked at Philippians verses 2 verses 1 through 5 and uh, as I said we'll be getting in going verse by verse each day for the next six days the six verses of the Messianic hymn verses 6 through 11 of Philippians and uh, hopefully I will actually get the uh, get the Instagram going tomorrow I'm still working on it but I'm uh, learning how to how that works it should be easier if you include all the people doing Instagram videos that it should be easier than I'm making it. But thank you for, for, for watching. For those who watched on, uh, on Facebook Live, 
on YouTube, YouTube Live, and also on on Instagram, not Instagram, but uh, LinkedIn. And uh, this is the daily a daily teaching through the Book of Philippians. Philippians, the Letter to Philippi Live is a, a Monday through Friday at 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. 3 p.m. Eastern time, 10 p.m. Jerusalem time. And uh, we'll be, as I said, we will start, start into Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 tomorrow, and looking at the humble entry of Messiah into our world. And the Letter to Philippi live broadcast is initiative of my newly found Messian Jewish theological and biblical studies organization, Letter to Philippi. And you can find out more at lettertophilippi.org, lettertophilippi.org. And there you'll find information on, on our other initiatives we're doing. You'll find our, uh, now we have, uh, have two weeks of, of videos that have been posted. So you can, if you've missed one of these, these classes, we've gone now through from Philippians 1, 1 through Philippians Two five, so we have about six or seven previous classes that are available under our teaching section. You can purchase my Messianic Jewish commentary on Philippians, which this class is based on, under our resources section. If you have a need for prayer, there's our uh, prayer request prayer request tab that you can click on and give your prayer request, and that will bring those requests to you as, as we will see in. Chapter 4, verse 6, the importance of bringing everything to God in prayer shows our dependence on him and shows him that he truly is the Lord of our life. So I want to be praying for you. And for those who, who are led to, to financially support our, our ministry here, you can make a donation on our website and click on our link and make a donation on our uh, donation page. And, uh, if you, and as I said, do you have any any uh, questions there's a, a link that you can uh, you can ask questions about the ministry about the work that we're doing here to to share the message of paul's letter to philippi and also to build a messianic jewish theology for the future and uh, it was great having you with us today and uh, we will i will see you tomorrow as we begin this six important verses of the Messianic hymn with uh, Philippians chapter 2 verse 6 and that will conclude our our uh, time today thank you for watching and thank you for being part of this of this class if you have any questions for me you can go to our website literatophilippi.org uh, and uh, just click on the link to uh, to the contact link and uh, I'll be happy to uh, to uh, respond to you, as I said, especially if you have any any things that need prayer, you know, please fill out the the, uh, the prayer request form. And uh, thank you for watching, and see you tomorrow at uh, noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern time, 10 p.m. Jerusalem time. Shalom for now.